This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. I don't know who that guy was. I don't like that intro. That was gross. Can we do that over? No, we're just going to keep going. Okay. Hi, everybody. It's Pride Month. Hooray. And tonight it is episode 300. What? Can you believe it? I can't. It's a milestone. Hooray. And to celebrate, we're going to be continuing our sessions where I sit down without LGBT independent horror filmmakers and have little informal chitty chats. And on the roster tonight are the creators, the co-directors of the hit critically acclaimed horror documentary, Scream Queen, exclamation point. My Nightmare on Elm Street, the story of Mark Patton. I'm talking about the super talented Tyler Jensen and Roman Kimianti. But before we go a step further, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and for the past 10 years, I've been your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But you're going to have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. But for this special Pride Month series, it's not just my eyes you're going to have to see them through. You're going to have to see them through the eyes of... Of the people that are making the movies that I'm looking at with my gay eyes. Did you follow all that? I didn't. I don't know what I'm saying. It's 5,000 degrees in here. Yay! Working in a sweat box. Yeah, yeah. Please, Patrick, tell us more about your musky fluids. I think I will. No, I think I won't. Tell you what, why don't I just bring on Roman and Tyler and we can talk about their musky fluids. Or, or maybe the movie they made. Whatever, whatever comes up. But before we do that, let's take a listen to the trailer for Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. In the midst of the 1980s, no one was scarier than Freddy Krueger. I love Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I was obsessed. Loving Freddy Krueger, loving A Nightmare on Elm Street. But part two came along and it was just a strange movie. For a lot of us, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 was our introduction to like... There's a lot of gay in that movie. It's kind of a siren song for the queer horror community. Mark Patton's a... I mean, he's a scream queen. I wake up in the middle of the first movie that I'm the lead actor in and realize that there's a gay subtext in it. It wasn't subtext, it was right there. This movie is the gayest thing. And we did Xanadu last month. (laughs) Some of the circumstances around the making of this film created a lot of hurt for him. And people ask you about it, you say, no, Mark was just so gay that he ruined the movie. You know, the mainstream public, they weren't ready for a male scream queen. They couldn't articulate it. I think the word is homoerotic. That it wasn't owned as a queer film made a light shine on him that was completely inappropriate. The film that was poised to launch his career ended up destroying it. Mark Patton pretty much disappeared. He was the Greta Garbo of horror. I was not an out gay actor in Hollywood in 1985. I was a gay person and I was living in terror. 
in the 1980s to be queer was to be this sort of diseased pariah. I think, in a way, Martin Patton paid the price for that. It was on the page of the script, and I knew we were treading in there. This is not a delusion that I'm having. You filmed in one of the biggest gay bars in Los Angeles. Oh, well, was that a gay bar? Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. It's yeah, you can play with it all you want. I wanted to be a movie star. This movie destroyed it. That's what made him go a little crazy. The movie was 30 years ago, and you're still pissed off at Dave Jasper. You've been lying for 30 years about this. Yeah, I never wrote, you know, he screams like a woman. If you don't think that this is all interconnected, then you need to do your math again. So joining me on yet another edition of Conversations Without LGBT Filmmakers, I am thrilled to have joining me today the Scream Queens, behind the Scream Queen documentary. So the Scream Queens from Scream Queen are on Scream Queens right now. Did you follow all that? Because I barely did. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and my GNCs, wherever you may be, put your hands together for the co-directors of Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, Tyler Jensen and Roman Gimianti! This is amazing. This is Tyler. This is Roman. Hello, boys. Hey. <laughs> Hello, boys. Welcome to the show. <laughs> mm. That was an amazing greeting. <laughs> that really was. Good Thank evening, you. boils and ghouls. <laughs> <sighs> Please, I'm too old for making boiled jokes. I'll start talking about my bunions. It'll be terrible. So anyway, how are you, boys? Welcome to the show. I'm very excited to have you guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for having Taking us. Taking time out of your busy schedule, because I know you've been up to stuff, and we're going to get into that later on. Hey. Okay. So, hey. Uh, everything's awesome. It's just been really, 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 really. Uh, everything's different. So every okay. every day is different. So we're like this. This morning we're sitting here trying to figure out what's the best background to use for all these things we have <laughs> coming up, and how do you connect this and do this? And so it's like you know we're all we're all in the in this learning field. So um, I have to say congratulations, you guys. I mean, Thank this you. documentary is cleaning up. Yeah. Great reviews. Still number one on Amazon, number one documentary? Sure. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we okay, now saying it with conviction. It's the yes! number one Amazon <laughs> It's the most important film you will ever see in your entire life. Once you watch our movie, you can stop spending your money on other movies because yeah. they'll never compare. Well, I, I, do have, I, I do have to say I'm surprised – uh, you know, everybody, every movie that comes out is going to get its fair share of, of, you know, pushback or I didn't like it, but we've got very little of that so far. Right. Mm-hmm. There's some, but, you know, it, it I, I just, I can't believe, especially now that it's on Shutter, where it's reached a wider audience. Yeah, I still see the laugh emojis on certain things, but for the most part, everyone's like, whoa, I was not expecting that. So right. I'm very grateful. It feels very weird. I don't have children of my own, but it definitely feels like making this film, we've kind of been two dads kind of caring and nurturing it to life. And, and now you were in labor with this thing for like 150 like years. five years. And <laughs> yeah. now, now she's off to college and we can't protect her anymore. And she's making her way in the world. And Aww. we're just hoping that people treat her well and that she gets to blossom and... <laughs> and do it all. I don't know. I, I lost the analogy halfway through, but I was 
determined to finish it. You're doing a documentary on Blossom now? Oh my awesome. God, my Alec <laughs> and yeah. her baby bird feeding techniques. You'd look very good in those little little flower hats. That'd be very nice. But, but seriously. I was always a six, you know? I'm not going to lie. Oh, she okay. was annoying. <laughs> Thank you. I was, I, I was too old for that shit. S- same. But too old and too cranky. Who was the older brother on that show? Joey Lawrence. Is this no, the Joey the Lawrence cast? Oh, the God, I don't one. know. There's another one? Yeah, There's he was. older brother. She, he looked he just like, like her. The, Blossom? the AA kid who's like, you know, there's a lot of things I don't remember. I don't know. I have to admit something. I just rewatched that show like last year, the year before, all of it, because I was too old to watch it when it came out. And then I was like, oh, this show's not so bad. She's not that bad. Tyler is like. Oh. When he was done watching that, he wore a bucket hat for three months straight. <laughs> You're like, so dumb. You're so dumb right now. It had a giant sunflower on it. Whatever. Moving on. This took a turn already. <laughs> all right. Can you tell that we used to live together? We were roommates for a long not time. Not at all. Well. Not at all. Now, where was I? I was going to say, we're say sisters I, I, I want to say, I want to say, what I say is really impressive to me. Because n- normally I, I noticed from your eye to be like, uh, Tyler, you do a lot of editing. Yeah. Roman, you do a lot of sound stuff. And now all of a sudden you're leaping into the, mm-hmm. into the, into the driver's seat, into a documentary of all things. And if there's anything that horror movies have taught me over the past 20 years, that being a documentary film maker is the most dangerous job on the planet. <laughs> it's certainly not the most lucrative. <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised. I wouldn't have been surprised if I sat down at Outfest and like the, the first card had said, <laughs> In 2016, two men decided to make a documentary about the legendary actor Mark Patton. Right. They were never seen again. This is their footage. They walked <laughs> into the woods in Maryland and never came out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, yeah. At night, you just hear the sound of a little ping pong ball coming out of the... <laughs> Where did that ping pong ball come from? Don't ask me. Oh, mm-hmm. Jesus. I, I will say this. Listen, the the ha- when we started this... I mean, we had like big dreams of what it could be, but it was, it wasn't all presented to us. The horrors of documentary filmmaking weren't just right up and up front from the get go. It seemed like a big task that we could conquer that slowly grew and grew and grew. So we were able to sort of like tackle things in progression, but had it all been thrown at us from day one, I don't know, you know? Right. You had to have a lot of that youthful optimism starting off a project like this and then just the perseverance to hang on. But if you ever do a Kickstarter with that many people and survive it, then lawyers and agents and editing and all that stuff will be a breeze. The the second part of all this is just the depression of which the Kickstarter brought on and then having to pull yourself out of that and deliver something worthy of people's time and money yeah was was a was daunting but yeah I would, I would imagine i would imagine one of the things i really enjoyed the people that you got on screen like aside from the major cast there's like a who's who of queer horror people that are fabulous you know fozzy bear peaches christ uh doctor uh professor andy who i love um mm-hmm. You know, Joe Zazzle, all these people are popping up. But then when the, the credits were rolling for the 25 minutes that they were rolling at the end, which just <laughs> yeah. was a thousand people back. Each of those again, names is important. There were so many names I recognized. Like, hey, all the all the cool people in the horror industry are in there. People that, that have stood up for me. And that like, it was a representation of everybody who's awesome. Right, right. Plus Mark Patton. Plus Mark, Mark Patton. Patton. Yeah. Yeah, all of those people were like, oh, you're making something for Mark? Absolutely, I'll help you. Like, it was, it was just nonstop, like, 
compliance. It was awesome. <laughs> so can I, I mean, I, I am considerably older than you guys. I remember being there on opening night for this movie. Did you guys get the subtext when you first saw it when you were younger? Well, I first saw it when it came out and it mm-hmm. was, uh, I was too young to grasp those sorts of ideas. Uh, but I, I knew that there was something about this movie that I, I, identified with but it was also the first horror movie that made me fall in love with horror so i didn't really have as much to compare to before that i, I really liked poltergeist i love caroline i always tell people when we do these shows that like i really identified with her like little weird girl without a lot of friends you know but i didn't have a lot of the gorgeous one in the family yes mm-hmm. no <laughs> he was hugging his tv every night <laughs> take me away take me, away. Take me <laughs> out of here absolutely <laughs> But I didn't I didn't see a lot of the traditional slashers or, or you know, girls in peril type movies t- to feel that it was different. Hmm. Right. I didn't. I was born the year Freddy's Revenge came out. <clears throat> I, will, brag. I will out myself that way. So when I got to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, it wasn't until I think the fourth or fifth movie. And I was watching them with my older sister. Hmm. And then as I eventually started getting into horror movies myself and revisiting the series, I was always told to skip over part two, you know, that it, it wasn't good. It, it was, it was not the favorite, but nobody told you it was gay, right? Right. But they definitely made it seem as though it was not worthy of my time. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I did see it when I was younger, but it wasn't until never sleep again came out and, said that it was this, you know, mm-hmm. gay movie that I was like, what? I mean, in the 80s, they people called it gay. I heard it all the time as a kid, but it wasn't, I don't think these people were referring to subtext. It was just that it was a man. That's it. Like anything they didn't like was gay or that's a guy acting like, yeah. So I, I wasn't, I didn't catch any of that stuff till years later. Yeah. I didn't hear anything about it until the early 2000s. And this is the thing. I don't, you know, I've been doing this show for 10 years and I don't talk about the big movies, like the big classics very often because everybody's done them to death. Yeah. And people are always pressuring me to do this one. And for the past five years, I'm saying, wait for the documentary because something, <laughs> something tells me they're going to have much more information than I'm ever. And by the way, if you want a podcast that does it really well, horror queers, when these two guys were on with the whole cast of Nightmare on Elm Street 2, you're not going to get better coverage of the movie than that. So go listen to that episode. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, yeah. oh, we, we were there for that, that recording live. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. But it was the early 2000s and it was, I hadn't started the show yet and I think it was at a horror yeah, it was at Horror Hound Weekend. And it was straight dudes with it's so homoerotic. I'm going, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And over the years, I've realized I got defensive over the movie. I was in denial about the gay subtext in this movie as a defense mechanism. Right. Mm. You no, know, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because like, back in those days, the early days of Horror Hound, those people that you interviewed at the beginning of Scream Queen, mm. those people yeah. Yeah. were everywhere. Yeah. 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 So anything gay, I was just like, tap it down, tap it down, tap <laughs> it down, tap it down. So I'm like, now you're attacking a movie that I like and you're saying it's gay and that's going to mean I'm gay. And I was out at the time anyway, but still I was sort of defensive about this movie. And even yeah. when I started to wrap my head around, I'm going, it's not homoerotic. It's homophobic. It's eternalized homophobia is what this whole movie is about. And you try to explain that to them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I think, you know what? 
Roman had a really good response to those uh, messages that were coming in. When people pick apart part two because it's gay and they're like, oh, it sucks because it's gay. It's like, are you saying that I suck because I'm gay? Like, what are you attacking here now? I also love that in the movie, in your in the, in the documentary, this because it's so gay. I mean, he just like especially when he's dancing around in his bedroom. And I, uh, this has come up in other movies. Julie Brown did that movie, Bloody Birthday. She dances around topless. People rag on her for that. I mean, you never did that. Right. You never just dance around your bathroom, uh, your bedroom, like an idiot when nobody's watching. You never do that. Well, see, that was the one part of the movie that we we would always talk about being like this isn't what makes the movie gay. So we're no. going to reclaim the dance scene. Silly? Yeah. Awkwardly edited? Sure. Is it gay? No. That's not what no. makes us gay. That's why it's the the poster of our movie. That's why we we reclaimed that to be like, fine, you know what? If that's the only that if that's your go-to for criticism on what makes this movie gay, then we're going to blow it the fuck up, you know? <laughs> right. And we're going to have because, problems with it. Because if you have problems with that, you, the amount that Robert loves rimming is a whole other thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yes. um, what I, I, I don't, I'm not really sure exactly how much you guys shot and how much is edited, but I know like as documentary filmmakers, you have to keep objectivity when, when you're shooting. And there are points, how did you not punch somebody? That interview at the beginning with David Chaskin, where he says the creepiest thing I've ever heard in my life. I just really like a story about innocent people getting violated. Mm. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know how, I, 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 if you guys were holding the camera, I don't know how you didn't just barf. I mean, it, the context is in writing a horror movie. So, like, you would think that that, like, you would have to relish in those moments. I don't mm. think that is it the, was the phrasing. It was the phrasing. Yeah, it was the phrasing. He yeah. says some other things that are, you know. Oh, yeah. He says, he says many things. <laughs> but, you know, I think part of what this movie came out to be is, like, giving someone the opportunity to learn mm. and have a confrontation between two people that, have issues and being heard and being understood, I think is ultimately more important than some nasty comment. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He was, listen, he was, he was willing to sit down and talk with us. He knew Mark was pissed. So mm -hmm. he knew what was coming for him. Um, I think what you're like to just entertain what you're saying though when you're a gay person listening to a straight person describe things in a way where you're just like, do you not even hear how that sounds? <laughs> right. Like, do we, you not that you're so fucking lucky that you, can I say that? Cause I say that a lot. <laughs> can we curse on this show? You fucking cunt twat licking assholes. Right. Fucking son of a bitch. You don't, right. I'm going to have to put a nasty rating on this damn thing. No, of course not. Are you kidding? You better warn Tipper Gore cause she's not going to like it. Well, anyway, you know, I, it's as gay people like we're we are sensitive to certain phrasing and and just like you know, what do they do? You even realize how much homophobia or slander is buried in your comments? No, mm -hmm. they don't. But the good thing is, is the confrontation exposes a lot of that. So I do consider David an ally. It's just been a problematic road getting there. Yeah, right. I understand right. that. I had run into uh, Mark at FlameCon ages yeah. ago. Was that the one that we shot at or the one no, after? No, no, I had been to, I, oh, 
No, I'd been to one there. At, what, what's what's that place called? The the the, the grand. The, we make your dreams come true. That place. We make your dreams come true. He just Thank passed you. away. Yes. Whatever the name of that place. I went to the I went to Flamcom there the first year and it was so unbelievably hot. Oh my god, I loved it. I loved it so much. I said I'm not I can't and I, I'm, I, I'm not I, I skipped it the next year, but then when it moved to that hotel, I, I went a few times, but it was at that hotel. Yeah. And Mark was just tucked in a corner by himself being in his unassuming, mm. you know, no flashy booths, <laughs> just a couple of pictures. And so I got to talk to him for a long time and he was talking about the movie and and his expectations for it, his hopes for it. And I had in my head how it was going to be. I'm like, oh, it sounds like a real slam piece. Like, he's going to take everybody to town. But you managed to make it. Sorry, that was me. <laughs> Please keep that co- quote in there. <laughs> we got great sound effects. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> that stands from us. <laughs> Was it, but no, that like the the whole hook of the the uh, the um. Now I don't know what I'm saying. <sighs> you were talking about the um. You thought it was going to take everyone to town. I just thought it was going to be a different kind of a movie. There was going to be a big expose, but it's just so much more than that. And like, it, uh, I had a friend. I have a friend. I had a fr- I had a friend, but I don't anymore. I have a friend who I made watch the movie. He doesn't like horror movies, and it's not Doug Shapiro. For those of you who are listening, it's a different friend. Um, <laughs> Doug, you still have to watch it, though. I'm sorry. Oh, he does. He does. I'm going to make him watch it. But he's a cinemaphile. And I said, you really need to watch this movie. And, and, and so he has no connection to Nightmare on Elm Street. He was worried it was just going to be about a documentary about the movie. Sure. And right. whatever the experience was. But he managed to just make it into this whole wider story that's just so all-encompassing and really powerful. And it's so impressive. And how many hours, I mean, how long did you follow him around for? Because it says he went, he was touring around for a year. We did the bulk of shooting for a year. I think our first shoot was that reunion in Florida. And then I think our last big shoot was David Chaskin, which was a year later. So it was a full year of touring. And then probably after that first year, we would check in with Mark probably every six months, maybe. Um, I did go down to Mexico. Um, my ex bought me a vacation for Christmas. It's like, we're going to Mexico. And I'm like, great. You know, that's where Mark lives. <laughs> I'm going to bring a camera. And it turned into like a working vacation. But um, we were. We and that's lucky. why he's an ex. Yeah, we got, we got <laughs> lucky in the sense that all these opportunities presented themselves to flesh out the story. And in doing so, it connected a lot of dots that we wouldn't have been aware of at first. I think definitely the, the time to follow the story as well as the Kickstarter push pushed us into the spotlight that a lot of people reached out to us and they're like, I can't believe you're doing this. I'm so excited. But if you do it, you have to tell this part of the story. You have to connect these dots because it really helps you understand the full picture. The fact that, okay, so you, you followed him around for a year and plus all these extra stuff, which means probably altogether, even though you only followed him around for a year, you wound up somehow with 375 years worth of footage to edit through to make some kind of coherent story. And the fact that you did one that's not only coherent, but packs a huge emotional wallop for someone who doesn't care about the industry or Scream Queens or who knew who Mark Patton was beforehand. Mm-hmm. My friend called me and was in tears after we said that was, that was incredibly oh. beautiful. I, I- I thank you. Um, I think it definitely connects to the bigger story of us as gay men as well. Like Mark kind of touches on all those hidden truths that we don't really talk about. 
um, especially in terms of, you know, being a closeted kid in the Midwest and having to escape to the big city to like be your authentic self. And then that becomes its whole new set of challenges. Mm. Yeah, I was, I was, I was tr- I'm scanning my notes for a quote that I pulled and I can't find where I wrote it down. The one thing he said that really hit me was like, my generation is gone. Gone. Yeah, I think so. Going back to what you said about like documentary filmmaking being like a nightmare or one of the most difficult challenges. I mean, it from the very beginning, Mark and I had discussed the intention of this movie wasn't to just like you know, reclaim his glory as a, as a gay actor. The intention from the very beginning was to speak to the community. That was the very beginning. We, I, I knew we had something to say. There was, we needed to kind of teach a little history education and also, you know, kind of bring the younger generation up to speed and, and talk about mentorship and blah, blah, blah. But let's do it through this Nightmare on Elm Street vessel. And, we didn't know what was going to happen, obviously, because this wasn't this wasn't in hindsight. This was happening, you know, these confrontations. So I, the fact that Tyler and I were able to capture all of this stuff and also make these actors feel comfortable enough to be that vulnerable, and you know, they they have their careers to think of. You don't. Many actors aren't going to be comfortable just talking about anything, especially sensitive topics like that, that could just be on any movie screen. So that says a lot about them and what how they feel about Mark, but it also says a lot. I do think that Tyler and I were really passionate about this. Even when we were naive, it allowed us to make it work. I don't know how, but it happened. So it, the, the ruling principle while we were editing it came from Roman where he, he kept hammering home the fact that we have to explain everything so that his grandmother would understand. If you had never seen a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, if you have never heard of Freddy Krueger, what is important about this story? What is important about Mark's story that makes this particular moment in history unique and worthy of being talked about? And you also handle the the AIDS crisis really well too, because I, I, mm, that whole stuff resonated with me, especially because I, um, being an older queen, like I, mm. I hesitate retelling the story because I tell the story on the show all the time, and I'm going to take a cue from Mark. I'm going to keep, I'm going to tell my stories. I'm going to keep telling my stories because you need Absolutely. to hear my stories. Yes, I haven't heard your stories. Tell me. When, thank you. Yeah. When I was when I was a youth, I was adopted by. An older gay couple, not sexual at all. They just kind of took me under the wing. They taught me gay culture. They taught me gay history. They taught me mm. etiquette. They taught me manners. They taught me like how to make that bridge from being like this crude gay teen. Can I, in- can I ask you what time period this was? Was this during AIDS or before? It was um, 87 through 89. Yeah. I, when I, when I was coming out, like I was 13, when the, Notice came out in the paper, in the New York Times. Right. So I, 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 oh gosh, this is something I don't say very often. I always assumed I'd be dead by thirty. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot. A lot of people I know. Have but anyway, said that. these two wonderful guys took me under their wing and taught me everything that I know, and they introduced me to all these wonderful people. So I know all this stuff about our history, and I, and I ate it up like candy. 
and they're all gone. Yeah. And there's not a day that goes by that I say, man, this great thing happened. I, gosh, I wish I could tell them, but they're not here. Right. And there's no, I don't know anybody in Mark's age group. And it's true. And I'd never hear anybody talk about that. And it's just deep pain. And to hear that on screen coming from somebody and saying, I need to tell these stories because you need to understand. That, that there exactly is what we felt Mark's story was so important to capture, especially for men of our generations. We are growing up in a society without that type of mentorship mm -hmm. readily available. Like yeah. when you're a gay kid of straight parents in the Midwest, they don't understand gay culture and they fear for you because all they see on TV about gays is that they have AIDS and they're, they're going to die and everything is awful. And it's a miserable life and you're going to die alone. And they can't protect you. They don't know how. So we have to go and find our chosen families in the big city. And it's wonderful that you had that mentorship and yeah, I didn't, I didn't have that. You were, you were like the cuss, the last of it. Cause for me, the, it was gone, but yeah. I, I moved to San Francisco when I was 18 and there wasn't any of that. There was a big division between my age group and then, and the men older than me. So it yeah. just felt like I was very alone. Yeah. I learned gay. I learned gay from those two men. A lot of these kids today are learning it from TV. Yeah. Right. Or only fans. Or only fact, right? There, there's like one, one aspect. It's like quoting stuff from drag queen is uh, from you know RuPaul is great, but there's a whole culture behind that that you just don't know. Right, and yeah. it's really irritating that you don't want to know. You're getting the pop culture fun. You're missing out on the the. the As Mark said in the movie, it was all fun and games until the check game. Yeah, and kind of we're here now. It's like the history is repeating itself now yeah. with this whole COVID crisis, you know, in a different sort of a way. But it's very yeah. similar. The the. Uh, Okay, so maybe the victims aren't being villainized this time, but the people who are trying to not spread the disease right. are being villainized. It's a whole other game. So anyway, didn't mean I, to go down this road, but here we are. Oh, but no, but you know what? It's exactly it's part of the road. Uh, definitely, I think one of the overall themes of Scream Queen is about queer mentorship and how starved the younger generation is for these missing voices. And I think even for me personally, like I... I had a queer mentor who was a, a good friend of mine growing up in Minneapolis, and we used to make films together. And unfortunately, he passed uh, shortly after we started making Scream Queen. So if you look in the TV scenes of Scream Queen, there's a little picture frame on top with the drag queen inside of it. And that is my queer mentor, Jaime Carrera, who is, is dearly missed. There's also, I think, for me and for you, Patrick, like that, it's also a reminder that we need to pick up the mantle of mentorship because having, without having that, without having experienced that, I think a lot of people my age just thought, eh, whatever, you just grow up, do the best that you can. And we forgot about the younger people behind us. And that's why they were quoting RuPaul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's, I figured it's, I realized while doing this, I'm like, it's my job now I'm yeah. at that age. And so, yes, I did what I had to do to get here. Um, and I'm shedding my baggage, but it isn't enough. It isn't enough to just like criticize the younger kids and be like, you don't yeah. know. It's like, no, it's actually my job to let you know. 
Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's what I try to do here whenever possible. When these teaching situations mm-hmm. come up, I do try to do it. And I, I, that's why I tell these stories over and over again. And I do get self-conscious about it, but I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no so many out there. That, that's to hear the, it. the power and the connection comes from. People can empathize with that. This is also another great thing about Scream Queen is that the majority of the fan base probably is straight dudes who grew up watching Nightmare on Elm Street and are huge horror nerds and will would not have sought out a gay history, a gay historical documentary, but because we have Freddy Krueger, they're going to come for that and then get this whole queer history that maybe they don't know about. And that, that helps us as well. Having more straight allies and people just sympathetic and understanding that, you know, a casual joke that you don't think twice about can do some lasting damage. Yeah. 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 Okay. Lighten the mood. Yeah, I, I, I tell you my funny, funny Mark Patton story. Please. <laughs> so every October, I do this month-long fundraiser for um, New Alternatives, which helps uh, homeless LGBT kids here in the city. You know, I put out an episode a day, drive myself crazy, go insane. You know, like guest after guest after guest. And I, this was after I, I ran into Mark at FlameCon. I said. I was too shy to ask him to come on the show and I figured he's busy and he's, he's got a, other things. Maybe he would record like a little PSA for it. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm chatting with him in one. Okay. I'm chatting. Okay. I'm chatting. <laughs> I'm chatting with him in one Facebook messenger box. I've got five other open. Cause I think like during the course of this thing, I wind up with like 40 different guests talking about, you know, two 30 different movies and they're, we're all scheduling at the same time. So I'm, I'm just, Oh no. <laughs> mad, uh, <laughs> mad, you know, organ player. And it's <laughs> like playing right. with both feet with craziness. And so I'm talking to somebody over here. I'm talking to Mark over here. I'm talking to somebody over here. They have 12 different conversations, all about the same thing. And I was talking to somebody who was guesting on the show who was going to be talking about Chopping Mall. Yeah. yeah. And he had just watched He's like, oh my God, I just watched the movie. It was so great. He said, he said, there were so many great lines. And I typed to him, you smell like pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> which is of course a line to Barbara Crampton yeah and chopping wall except I realized I typed it to Mark <laughs> and he's like I beg your pardon no no no, no forget it I'm just gonna do a Catholic thing and slink away and not ask you to do anything else that's how <laughs> I answer my phone now you just you smell like you smell pepper. like pepperoni <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> but I brought it I brought it up to him after after after, after the premiere and he's like oh honey I've got a brain like a goldfish these days. <laughs> it's probably true. We've been through a lot, but you, the stuff that people do write him, trust me, that was probably the only thing that made him smile that day. If you had punctuation, you're a step above. Yeah. Okay. I spelled yeah. it right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one thing that I found out this week, well, actually, no, I didn't find out this week, but it's just fun. Um, I've got guests coming on this Friday. I just, I'm actually editing this session. I was doing that before and I'll be doing that afterward. I've been hanging out with those crazy kids from Death Drop Gorgeous. Yes. Oh wow! And it's so exciting to see how all of that. Well, we've been friends for a while now. They've been on the show a few times, and um, I, they sent me a they sent me a rough cut of the movie about two months ago. Loved it, loved it, and I'm so glad you guys were on board to help with the editing. Right, right, yeah, thank yeah, you. yeah. Okay, okay. That new trailer is fantastic. Thank you, thank you. Roman and I worked real hard on that. It was a lot of fun. They came to our edit suite. I think. Was it this year? Was it in January? I have yep. no sense yep. of time anymore because of yeah, how no. 
But um, yeah, we tell, sat tell down. Tell me more stories about the great outside, Grandma. I, <laughs> there was well, the great before. Jesus. There we was met, the great before. We met them in Salem when we were touring. and uh, Did we? I did, yeah. I I don't know where I was. And, and then Brandon... And Ryan connect. I connected with them. I I go to Connecticut a lot. They're not that far. They brought mm-hmm. the movie over. I was like, okay, I see. This is fucking great. Like, what they, the heart that's in that movie is remarkable. I'm looking at. I'm meeting these pack of guys. Going, you guys just made an incredibly fun story. Mm-hmm. Gory, sexy, unapologetically gay, Filthy. over the top, filthy and disgusting. And so much fun. And and it just needed a little, it needed, it needed our, it needed a little extra help because, you know, when you're so close to a project, it's hard to be objective at times. So we came in and did. Yeah. I saw, cause I said, I saw the rough cut and I talked about it and I said, most of these problems that I have with most of it was just like runtime, some pacing problems and like some sound issues that I can get fixed later. So when I heard you guys were coming on, I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fuck no, yeah. it's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. Actually, I was just talking with them this morning. We're pretty much done. We have just a little bit, a little cleanup to do with post um, left, and it's going to be premiering next month. So you're going to have them on Friday? I've actually recorded this session with them already. Oh, okay. But yeah, they're going to be on Friday. They were on um, a while back. We talked about that movie with Meg Tilly, uh, One Dark Night. Oh, yeah, I love that movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 80s Camel Toe for Days. Yeah. They yes. were a great episode. Yeah. Oh, they had great, they had the matching jackets, the satin jackets. Oh, Camel- I loved it. The, yes, no, yes. It, it, was, it was this cool girls club. It was totally exclusive. It was so exclusive. There were three girls. <laughs> there were three girls. <laughs> Wait, what's it called again? One, One Dark, Dark Night. Night. Adam West is in it. And uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Daly's in it. Yeah. It's like Phantasm meets. I've never seen this. Oh, uh, it's, it's on Amazon Prime. It's actually like nothing happens right. for like an hour and 25 minutes. Oh, it's you're just selling it real hard. No, no, it's teen horse shit, but it's amusing teen <laughs> horse shit because it's corny. But then all of a sudden the last reel happens and it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah. shit, it oh, goes yeah. bananas. It's, okay. it's a P, it was a PG movie. I saw it in the theaters when I was 11 years old and that audience was screaky. It, it was weird. It's a very weird, I love it. That's a great movie. I always forget it's about very that unsettling. Very, it turns out to be very, very unsettling. And, and Meg Tilly is awful in it. And I just watch it going, Future Oscar nominee, Meg Tilly. There she is. Meg but anyway, we're not talking about that. But um, <laughs> no, I saw the movie and I thought I uh, saw Death Drop Gorgeous. And I said, there's so much great stuff going on in here. And plus, on top of that, it has a so wonderful sense of community yeah. among, among, the, among the players and and place. Like I get pro- – I, 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 like Providence, Providence – Providence? Providence, Providence is, Rhode Island, yeah. Providence, right. I always get confused with Providence, Providence, and it just comes out like <laughs> – <laughs> I've never seen a movie with such a sense of blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on a poster. Yeah, I'm going to cut this out because it's one of the best jokes, <laughs> best line I've heard in a long time. There were so many lines that I wanted to use in the trailer, and I'm like, I can't give that away. It's too no. good. Yeah, no, 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 no. no I, right. definitely, like, I, I pulled the the line, and if you're going to have two faces, yeah. Uh, no. They they were genius at writing this movie. Mm-hmm. Very, I I cannot wait for it to come out. Right. Yeah, a, I I told them this as well. I I again I have to trim some of this because it's yelling at other people. I I had just had a terrible experience with Killer Unicorn. I love 
killer unicorn. I haven't seen it, so say what you like. Those are my girls. No. I'm it's not, not about you right now. Girl. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I was angry about it. it made me angry, and I just was like, they Tyler like, said. Tyler says this because he knows you're right. That's why he's being the the positive devil's advocate. It's so uh-huh. annoying that you do that, Tyler. Just. Mm-hmm. Just I do. We get it. You're from Brooklyn and you know the Queens in it. Okay. But I felt that's like not I was even wa- it. That's not even it. I was there. He's the same kind of guy that will be like, my friend hates you, so I hate you too. That's bullshit. I will never pile I don't want to, but I have to support my friend. Without my own personal reasons. Okay. I I just love it. I love it. Okay. Okay. That's it. Is he done? I think so. I, okay. I don't know. I guess so. I will defend this movie to the end. Okay. I was just going to say I was in a bad mood <laughs> and they sent me, no, and they sent me the trailer to their movie and they're like, here, could you watch this trailer for our gay movie? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I told them, I, said, I sat down to watch the trailer like this. Right. Right. <laughs> 30 seconds. I'm like, that glove is spinning out of the glory hole. I'm like, that is a brilliant <laughs> shot. I think I'm on board. That's a gorgeous, frightening show. Oh, I like that's it. That's a gorgeous trailer. Oh, I thought you yeah. meant the killer unicorn. I know. Well, that's what my point was. But had I not been interrupted before, <laughs> right? We all forgot. I get um, real passionate. I'm sorry. I won't. No, that's okay. No, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Um, there, there's there's something to be said for like the thing. I guess if I had to really explain what made me so excited about that their movie was when I saw it. I was like, you're like a bunch of like burly dudes that are making the most drag queen centric feminine appreciative movie ever that's rare aren't they all bartenders at the providence eagle too kind of so it was like oh shit cutting all of this out anyway as i said that's the first time none of this is going in the show but um, okay (laughs) going back to elm street for a bit sorry i got a weird (laughs) pop-up sorry um going back to elm street for a bit kim myers has one of my favorite moments in all of horror in all my like my horror, one of my favorite things in a horror movie, and you don't see it very often or done well, is that moment where sanity leaves your main character. That break where the reality comes, like like, like Marilyn Burns in um Texas Chainsaw, right. the girl from at the end of Tourist Trap was just like this this is not happening, not happening, and just see like sanity flow out of them. Chris <laughs> night uh, Friday the thirteenth part three, when she just keeps coming. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah, see yeah. sanity leave her body and never come back. When Kim stabs, or no, Lisa stabs him. Yeah, with the, the knife. And you just see it drain out her ears like, nope, 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 All reality is gone. It's one of my favorite moments, wonderful play. And also, one of the things I'm really sad was not in the movie because every time I've seen Mark, he tells a story and it's like, in my mind, it's kind of like um, Betsy Palmer with the car story about Friday the 13th. She just keeps telling that story about how she did it <laughs> right. for the car. Like, yeah. We know, Betsy. We but, know why you did that. You took the job to get a new car. Yeah. I was working on love letters. We know, Jesus. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but the, the one of my favorite stories that he tells is that the little code in, that they had between, that was based on, God, I'm not even speaking English now. <laughs> Lisa, honey. There's a Jesse on the phone. <laughs> How that became code between her and Mark from when they saw gay people out on the street. I love that. Right. Yeah. There's a Jesse on the phone. Nah. <laughs> you have four Jessies in line. <laughs> the, the, I remember that scene with Kim the very first time I saw it. I was, a, I mean, I don't remember how old I was, maybe 10. And I just remember that was like, 
the kicking him scene and the chase, like all of that was just, I think it set the bar real high for me for, for what girls in horror are supposed to do. And have, I can't really think of very many that have lived up to that. Like she was so great in that moment. The whole, her whole character was wonderful, but like oh, yeah. yeah, all of it, like she just seemed like you believed her and it, it shows the kind of the caliber of, of skill that they had in that movie is uh, overlooked a lot, but yeah. That was fucking great. And the, the coding, uh, Mark used to talk about that a lot when he first started the the uh, horror conventions because he would get a lot of gay fans, but they were never out of the closet, so to speak, mm, in correct. the horror community. So it'd be like, you know, it's a lot of gay fans that are trying to not be known as such. And now it's a different story. But, you know, we Tyler and I mentioned this a lot, like when we started this film – being a gay horror fan was not a thing. That was only five or six years ago. It was it was coming up, but like now every gay loves horror. They all mm-hmm. love to say they 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 get it. But like at the time, now nah, if you walked around, if if you, we went to Indiana, right? Was that yeah. Indiana we went to? Yeah. And, horror Hound. Yeah, it was a great show, but like the gay people that we saw there, everybody seemed like there was a little bit of a guard up, right? With good reason. But we forget now that, like, that wasn't a world that was for us originally. No, no, at absolutely all. not. When I was talking early on about Horror Hound Weekend, the fir- that was the first time I started to hear, <laughs> this movie's gay. Mm. Oh, Stephen Jeffries and gay porn. <laughs> that kind of bullshit. Yeah. Probably for this. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. right. It's not funny when you know why. Like, the guy had a Tony Award nomination. He went up. Not, I'm not talking about Stephen Jeffries, but. <laughs> yeah. When I started, it was also at Horror Hound Weekend that I started bannering around the idea of this podcast. This is 10 years ago, uh, probably 12 years ago. And the blank looks like, like I got, to, I don't get it. Right. Yeah. What, what, what's the connection? I don't get it. That's dumb. <laughs> I don't get, am I going to be allowed to listen to it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. After you suck my dick. Right. No, no. But yeah, no, it's a different world now. It happened, it, hap- it happens quickly, though. I mean, it, if you need a silver lining for it, hmm. it's like change can happen quickly once the conversation starts, which is what Mark was doing at the time. I commend him for get, you know going by himself to these shows and not having allies there that were outspoken, you know? Yeah, because yeah. it was in the beginning when, when, when Never Sleep Again happened. You know how they treated the whole gay topic in that movie. I mm-hmm. wouldn't say that they were... S- it's not scandalous, but it, they made it into a joke. It was a, it was a punch <laughs> run, yeah, thing. that shit again. Yeah, right. And I think all of those people didn't necessarily mean that in that way because they just no one had explained to them how they're coming off. Right. So right. now, if it happens again, watch watch out. But I oh, mean, that was my fit. They're mirroring what they're seeing. If someone is making a joke at how gay it is, and it's like funny. They're going to like, oh, that's how we're going to talk about this. And no one's going to challenge them until until they did. Yeah. What was one of the most amazing things I've ever, I should say, heard rather than seen was that episode of Horror Queers where all y'all were on. (laughs) And they started to make gay jokes in the first five minutes and Mark shut them down. Right, Right. In the most respectful way possible. And I heard people like. 
buzzing on the internet, internet going, oh my God, that was so rude. I can't believe he did it. He's like, no, I get that. He's been the butt of jokes for too fucking long. Stop right. laughing at us and listen to us. Right. But when the call, when the call was coming. I, ro- I, ro- I rose out of my chair. I put, I put my hands up. I was driving at the time, so it really wasn't very smart, but I did it anyway. It right. Great. I think, I think wow. that partially is a generational thing too, because these are young guys who are coming at it from today's perspective and don't understand the struggle completely, which is what mm-hmm. we're hoping to mm-hmm. demystify right. and connect those dots. Like we're standing on the shoulders of a lot of giants and we got to show our respect. And a lot of bodies. Lot of and bodies. we and we love those yeah. boys. We talk yeah. to them all the time. Oh, no, no. I, lo- I love them too. I love them too. I was not putting them down in any way, but just the fact that Mark took control of that in a way that I have not seen people do I that. want the younger generation to be able to laugh at themselves and do that, but you can't do that until you first respect and understand what happened and yeah. and how it can come across to these people that we still owe something to. So it's finding that middle ground is like how can we be how can we still be lighthearted about this but still be respectful about it? Um and you know that's all. And, and trust me, Mark is Mark will have a good laugh as well. It just needs there needs to be the boundaries in place, which I understand. Yeah. Well said. And you know what? I think that's a pretty good place to wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice little button for things. Thank you guys for coming. <laughs> so before you go, where can people find out more about you and what projects you're up to? And, and isn't there like a special little code to help people watch your movie on Shutter? Oh, this is where I yeah. chime in. Oh, yes. If you want to watch Scream Queen for free right now, you just log yourself into Shutter.com and type in promo code Scream Queen for th- 30 days of free access to watch as many queer horror films as you can. Or if you want to do it the old school way, you can find us on Amazon, Apple TV, Google Play, Vudu, Vimeo, YouTube, or, you know, buy a physical disc, which is really cool. And someone will sign it for you eventually when we're outside of our homes again. Well done. Well said, yeah. Well said. And also just for those of you who are listening, that's promo code Scream Queens without the Z. Don't put a Z on it. That's not my code. It's their code. It's just, just one scream mm-hmm. queen. There's only mm-hmm. one, except when there's not. Except when there's three. Except when there's three. Yes, that's a court. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> a, a royal court of multiple no, queens. That's, oh, no, sorry. actually, actually, actually <laughs> that's the sisters in One Dark Night. There's three of us. Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> we need our pink satin jackets. All right, Hail thank you very to much. The guardians of the Watchtowers. Enjoy the rest of Brian. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And thank you very much for joining me today. It was great. Uh, thank you very much. I'm screaming. Alrighty then. Thank you so much, Tyler and Roman, for coming out and hanging out with me. That was a fantabulous little session we had just there of talking. That I made it sound dirty, but it wasn't dirty. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Behave yourselves. And hey, remember, if you haven't seen Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, check it out on Shutter. Use that promo code Scream Queen to get 30 days free. Check it out there. Or personally, I'd say buy the darn thing. It's totally worth it. And also, don't forget that... Uh, Tyler and Roman are in cahoots now with the Death Drop Gorgeous boys who were on the last episode. And Death Drop Gorgeous just got added to another film festival. I believe it's the Louisiana Harm Film Festival. And when Death Drop Gorgeous has more details about when they're having that screening at the end of July for whatever film festival that was. I don't remember because I'm a horrible host. I will let you know. Hopefully you can set up some kind of watch party. Let's see. I don't know. It's the future. 
And speaking of the future, since this is the last show, I do have some parting words for you. But before we do that, let's get business out of the way. I, I just want to say thank you, as always, to my cohorts in crime, the fine folks over at Squadcast. Squadcast provides remote recordings for professional podcasters. Fantastic sound, easy to use. Not only is it easy to use, it's a joy to edit. Things go so much simpler with Squadcast. I can really single out and do some real fine-tuning on episodes that I couldn't do with software that I've used in the past. And that is a treat for me. Yeah, it's a little bit more work, but it means a more quality show for you, and that makes me happy. So if you want to upgrade your sound, if you're a podcaster, you want to separate yourself from the herd of podcasters that are just spewing out into the atmosphere these days, we're just recording things on their phone and very proud to be like, we don't edit anything. You don't want to be like that. That's not professional. That's just noise. Don't be like that. Check out Squadcast for free. Use link in the show notes, bit.ly slash squad queens. And of course, thank you to my podcast hosts at Captivate FM. They are the disco dancing, job talking, pancake flipping, fancy hat wearing Jedi masters of the podcast hosting world. And just like Squadcast to make everything really easy and professional and smooth as pine. Every day there's a new integration or a new perk. And if you want to check them out, that link is down there in the show notes as well. Okay, time to wrap things up because this is show 300. And it's my last show of my 10th year of doing this show. And you would think I would be happier or proud or be more into this as a milestone, but I'm just not. I'm flat as a pancake. I'm just numb these days, which is not true. I just lied to you. I'm angry all the time. Angry, angry, angry all the time. And it's part of the reason why I'm glad this break is coming right now, because you've noticed these last few episodes with these filmmakers and, and the few episodes I did before that, there's not a lot of intro or outro. And some of you might've been relieved about that, but I just don't have anything to talk about. I'm here by myself. I don't go anywhere. I don't do anything. I can barely watch horror movies anymore. So I, I, I'm having trouble getting a show out to you. You guys know, all of you know, things got really bad here. I'm in New York City. I was in, like the, the epicenter of the world of the COVID crisis was just blocks away from where I live. I saw some shit. The whole city saw a whole lot of shit. And we've pulled ourselves out of it. I just found out that yesterday, the amount of deaths from COVID in New York City, the number of dead deaths was five. Five. And considering where we were, that's incredible. And again, you'd think I'd be delighted, but I'm not. I just get angry because I look at the rest of the country and I, my head starts to split. We were in the absolute pits of despair here in New York, and we've pulled ourselves out following the basic map that I've been talking about from the beginning. Stay home, wash your hands, wear a mask, think about other people. And now that you see it surging elsewhere because people are deliberately ignoring it, it's just infuriating me because it just means we went through all this for nothing. We handed you a blueprint. We were the canaries in the coal mine. We were your test subjects. We showed you how to f corral this problem. And you all went, nah, I'm not saying you. You know what I mean. Collectively as a nation, it's just people, the, the, the whole country went, eh, we're going to do our own thing. I've been accused of lying. I've been accused of making up numbers. I've been accused of exaggerating how bad things were. And you know what? I hope you never find out for yourself how true things were. I hope you don't. But I don't know what's going to happen. And this is why I just can't talk anymore. I don't have anything good to say. And I'm past fear. I'm past worry. 
and and even the the anger fades into numbness and somehow the numbness is much worse and hopefully just taking some time away from the show will help because this eats up all my time how much can patrick complain right now okay to say i mean i'm still on a bizarro schedule i can't sleep the added fun now is that people are showing, shooting off fireworks all night, like right outside the apartment. So some asshole shoots off an M80 every 10 to 20 minutes, like clockwork, all night. So sleep is all fucked up. I sleep all day. I work at night. And so much of my day is about sleeping or trying to sleep or just trying to decompress that what well, waking hours I do have, I spend doing this. And I'm just not doing other things. I would love to go read a book. I love to go take a walk. I love to go find a park somewhere and just do something else. But now I've got two months to do that. And hopefully that will be a palate cleanser for me. And I'll be able to come back for season 11 with some enthusiasm. And, you know, depending on how the world is, then maybe things will change here. I don't know. Tone of the show. Maybe what I cover. Because I don't know. But I was talking about horror movies. is going to be doing a lot of people good. But we'll see. We'll see. Okay. I'm trying not to be negative, Nancy. But just know. I may be gone, but I'm worried about all of you. I really am. So please take care of yourselves and take care of those around you. You've got the rules. We say it at the end of the show every week. Like I said early on, it's like watching a horror movie. River's like, I'm just going to go fuck in the woods anyway. I'm ignoring the legends. Don't be those people. Listen to Crazy Ralph. I'll be your Crazy Ralph. At the blue, I, got, I got the rules from Dr. Fauci. I'm just repeating them. They worked here. We went from thousands of deaths a day to five. So please don't get complacent. Don't get lazy. Don't get sloppy. Stick to the rules. This is nothing else came in the three months that we put into this here in New York. Turning these tides around. Please say, look, that, that, look, that worked. Just say, oh, hey, that, that's a program that worked. Follow it. It's not easy. It's not fun. Just do it, please. So I want to see you when I come back in September. I'll be putting on a couple of shows. In the interim, as I said, I've got a couple of episodes recorded with some more directors. I've got a bonus episode that I just recorded with Allison and Brian. You know, that birthday episode that I promised her talking about the girl on the third floor. That'll be coming out soon. I've got one with the Death Drop Gorgeous Boys. that was supposed to be out for my birthday episode, but there's some sound issues. You get that as a bonus episode over the summer. So I'm not going away entirely, but. Like I said, those have been pre-recorded, so you're not going to be getting live updates of what's going on here. But I'm not at the door. You know, I'm babbling. I'm babbling. Uh, it's always hard to end the season, say goodbye for two months, but this 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 year it's particularly hard. So best to just rip off the band-aid and say, um, until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a better place for yourself and for those around you. Never, ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel. Stay the fuck home. When possible, wear a fucking mask. Wash your fucking hands. Share black stories. Defund the police. Resist. Resist. And stay strong. And don't forget how much I love you. The music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com.
Bitches. Bitches. <laughs> Ew.